What is up, everybody? And welcome to The Blake Cast. This is the podcast of yours truly, Blake Mowry. And on this podcast, we discuss scripture, current events, and other topics from an apostolic perspective. And most importantly, my own perspective. Why don't we hop right in? Let's start talking. What is up, everybody, and welcome back to the Blake Cast. I'm so happy to be back with you this week. I'm super excited because this week, as you all know, is Holy Week. So Sunday is Easter Sunday. Super excited for this. And so today, of course, I feel like I would be doing an injustice by not talking about this story, the greatest story ever told, the story of Easter. Before I get started, I want to say this. We will not have a regular video version of the podcast today. It will be posted to YouTube, but it will be audio only, just as a disclaimer before I start. But again, today is all about the greatest story ever told. And it's really the central point of all of Christianity is the central point of our belief system. The story of Easter is the gospel. It is the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It is the greatest story ever told. It is the story where we find salvation. It is the story where we find everything that we really need. It's all around this story. And so let's just jump into this. So Jesus, God in the flesh, he's been preaching for around three years He's been performing miracles everywhere he went. He's been preaching truths that were revelatory to many people. He came to fulfill the law and not destroy it. He showed people their faults, but also showed them how to do better. And throughout his ministry, he performed these miracles. He changed people's lives. He changed people's perspectives throughout his entire ministry. Only God in the flesh could do such amazing things and teach such revelatory messages. But now it's coming upon Passover week and Jesus, he enters into Jerusalem riding on a donkey to the praises of many people who cried, Hosanna in the highest. Hosanna, Hosanna. They gave Jesus the praise. And Jesus, who came into this world as lowly as possible, being born and laid in a manger, being born in a stable, coming humbly into this world, he in the same way comes humbly into Jerusalem, 
riding on a donkey. He could have rode in on a white horse. He could have rode in on who knows what. But he chose to ride on a donkey. A lowly creature. That's what he chose. But even during that, even though he chose humility, the people still gave him praise. And they still announced his coming with great passion as they shout Hosanna. But as Jesus enters into Jerusalem, things over the next several days would change. As he challenges the views of many in Jerusalem. And as now his enemies grow closer to bringing Jesus to his, what they thought, demise. And they talk to Judas, one of the twelve disciples, and they convince him that for thirty pieces of silver... Judas, all he had to do was tell them where Jesus would be. They convince one of Jesus' closest companions to turn him in for a slave's price. Because that's what 30 pieces of silver was. It was a slave's price. Again, Jesus came so humbly that on his way to Calvary he was willing to be portrayed for the price of a slave. That's how humble he was. He didn't care that he would be practically bought as a slave. He just knew what he had to do. And so we get... To where Jesus is with his 12 disciples in the upper room. And upper room. Maybe not the upper room. But it was an upper room. And they broke bread. And they had fellowship together. And this is where we see the first communion. Where Jesus says, take, eat, this is my body. Drink of this cup. Of the New Testament, which represents my blood that I'm about to pour out. He's describing what's about to happen to him as he communes with his disciples. And I heard a message just this Sunday by Brother Kent Connor, who was talking about the Galilean wedding ceremonies and the things that would happen. And he showed us how this communion was very similar to what would happen for a Galilean wedding when the bride would accept the groom's offer to be married and she would take the cup of wine that he would give her and she would drink it. And so in the same way we see the disciples drink of the cup and eat of the bread. And Jesus spoke of the things to come. And eventually Judas leaves being practically pointed out by Jesus to be the one that's going to betray him. And so Judas leaves and Jesus wraps up the dinner 
And he asked his disciples to go with him. Go with him to the garden to pray. And so they go there. And Jesus, he leaves them to pray amongst themselves and goes by himself to pray. And this is where he prays so fervently that his sweat becomes drops of blood. This is where he prays and says, if it be your will, let this cup pass from me. It's so heavy on me. I'm not sure I can bear it, but nevertheless, not my will, but thine will be done. If thou wilt, let this cup pass from me. It's a heavy burden. The man Christ Jesus would have to endure excruciating pain. If there was any other way, he prayed, let's do it a different way. But he knew this was the only way. This is the only way. But when he returns from prayer, he sees his disciples. They weren't praying. They were asleep. Again, Jesus in a different way is betrayed by disciples who chose to sleep rather than to pray. Did they forget what Jesus just told them? That he was going to be a sacrifice? That they needed to take his body and take his blood that was going to be rent for them? Did they forget and at this moment, Judas, with an army of soldiers, comes. And he betrays Jesus with that kiss as the sign of, this is the man you're taking. Jesus again betrayed. And as the soldiers begin to take Jesus, of course... The disciples are awakened at this point and Peter chops the one soldier's ear off and Jesus, who's getting arrested, says, no, no, this isn't the way. And he puts that ear back on and he heals that soldier. Even when he's betrayed, even when it seems like Jesus should let it go, he still heals even in every trouble every circumstance you go through no matter how hard it is no matter how bad you messed up Jesus can heal you and Jesus can deliver you what a powerful moment Jesus who allows himself to be arrested doesn't fight back in fact reverses what one of the disciples did to fight back. He went that far to make sure it was peaceful. And of course, he goes before the council of the Pharisees and the Sanhedrin. And they call him a blasphemer to the point where one of them rents their clothes. Because they ask, are you the son of God? And Jesus says, thou sayest. He's just pointing at the words. 
He doesn't outright say it, but he points to the words of the one questioning him. Thou sayest. And they call him a blasphemer. They send him to Pilate. Pilate finds no fault in Jesus because, of course, there is no fault in Jesus. He was a perfect man. He was upright. He never sinned once. And Pilate sends him off to Herod. Herod wants nothing to do with it. Send him back. I'm not doing this. This isn't. I'm going to delegate this back to Pilate. So he goes back to Pilate. Pilate did not want to crucify Jesus. You have to understand that when you read about this story, Pilate did not want to do this. He knew Jesus was an upright man. But when the crowd cried, crucify him, crucify him, when the crowd wanted Barabbas over Jesus, Pilate felt like he had no other choice. Jesus again was betrayed a third time in just a few hours, it seems like. By the people who cried Hosanna when he entered Jerusalem, the same people cried crucify him. The same people wanted a murderer, an evil man released over Jesus. But it had to be this way. All throughout time, people betray God. It's always been that way. So how fitting is it that Jesus was betrayed before he died on the cross? Even Peter... One of the most beloved disciples denied him three times, betrayed Jesus again. But Jesus thought it was worth it. He thought the betrayal was worth it. And Jesus took the crown of thorns on his head. He took the lashes on his back. He carried that cross to Calvary. Although Simon did help him, Jesus carried most of the load. Jesus was nailed to that cross. Could you imagine the pain? We, we feel pain just when we prick our finger or get a paper cut. But how much more excruciating getting a nail in your hand, nail through your feet. Eventually a spear in your side. And being hung there. Where he had to go through pain just to breathe, to push up on his, that nail that was in his feet. Just so he wouldn't suffocate. What pain, what agony he went through. But as they hung him on that tree, Pilate 
had them put a title above him. Where they would normally nail to that cross the things that the criminals were guilty of. Pilate nailed to the cross, king of the Jews. The only thing Jesus was guilty of was being who he was. He was only guilty of being the king of kings, the king of the Jews. That's all he was guilty of. And as he was on that cross, quoting David, saying, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And talking to his mother, and those who were standing by, in all pain and agony, and saying, It is finished. Into my, your hands I commend my spirit. And he gave up the ghost. He went through all that pain, all that suffering. He poured out all of that blood. And his work was finished. The whole reason he came, came down to that one moment where he died on that cross and shed his blood for our sins. We betrayed him, but Jesus died for the ones who betrayed him. He died for the ones who gave him the lashes on his back, the ones that nailed him to the cross, the one that said crucify him, the one that sold him for 30 pieces of silver. He died for every one of us. So that we could find forgiveness in him through repentance. But what's so amazing about this story, it doesn't stop at the cross. The story wasn't over. But Jesus was taken down off the cross. And Joseph of Arimathea buys a grave for him and puts him in that grave. And Jesus was wrapped up. He had a proper burial. But little did they know that Jesus went down to hell. And took the keys of death, hell, and the grave from Satan himself. Satan thought he won. He thought he had the victory. He thought Jesus was over. It was done. But the devil had to give up the keys. And on the third day, on Easter Sunday, that very first time, Jesus, in power and in glory, rose again. The stone was rolled away and Jesus walked out of that grave. Just as he rose Lazarus from the dead and Lazarus came forth and walked out, Jesus walked out victorious. He didn't just stop at death, but he rose again to show us that we do not have to stay dead in our sins, but we can rise again with him. The disciples were in disbelief when Jesus was gone and they went to that tomb and there was no one there. They were in disbelief, but Jesus even appeared to them. And they saw this glorious sight of their Savior, their King, 
showing them the scars in his hands and in his side. Even to the ones that doubted, Jesus showed them. And they were even able to feel the scars and know that it was real, that Jesus was truly there in the flesh, that it wasn't just a vision, but Jesus actually did it. I don't know about you today, but I am so thankful for this story, that Jesus died on the cross, but rose again. It is the central point of all of our theology, all of our beliefs. We believe on this one thing, that Jesus Christ died and rose again. And it's upon this belief that we preach everything. Paul said, I can do none other but preach Christ to him crucified. I know none other than this fact that Christ died and rose again. Everything we preach is around that central point because through this death, burial, and resurrection, we find salvation. We don't have to live in sin. We don't have to end up in hell, but Jesus took the keys so that we didn't have to go there and that we can go to him and find repentance, find forgiveness of sins, and we can be saved through him. Our works couldn't get us there. Our works could never get us there, but Jesus did the work. He died for us. He died the death that we deserved so that we could have life in him and have an eternal life and be with him forever. And as an apostolic, we look at the gospel and we see salvation. We see the Acts 2.38 message. We see the new birth that Jesus preached. We see it. Because in death, we follow Jesus in that death, in that cross, through repentance of our sins, turning away from our wicked ways, asking for forgiveness and letting God wash those sins. And in the burial, we follow Jesus because we are buried with him in baptism in the name of Jesus Christ. There's none other name that we can be baptized in because we're following that name, Jesus. We're following him in burial. But then we rise again in resurrection with him through the baptism of his spirit where he breathes his life into us as the wind of his spirit begins to flow in our lives through our lungs. Just like Jesus had breath again and rose again in his body. We can have that. And through that we have salvation. And there's another promise. <laughs> Jesus, several days, many days after he rose, he spoke more to the apostles, getting them ready for what was to come. And he ascended into heaven. And when he ascended into heaven, he said, In like manner will I return. Don't stand here gazing. I will come back. He gave us a promise. He's going to come back for his church. He's going to come back for us. But we got to be ready today. And it's through this message, this Easter message of the death, burial, resurrection of Christ, that we find hope. And in a world of chaos confusion, destruction, sin. <laughs> In a world full of all of that, we can put our trust and put our hope in Jesus because he died 
and he rose again. <laughs> mm. I don't know about you, but that's a god worth living for. A god who came in the flesh, at all points became like as we are, yet sin not. He came, lived, breathed, went through everything that we go through, and took on the death that we deserved, because the wages of sin is death, and we sinned. We deserved it, but Jesus, being the spotless lamb, being the sinless man, the only one who could ever be sinless, he became the ultimate sacrifice. And it's so funny that this whole series of events happens around the Passover. Where the people in Egypt, God's people, the children of Israel, when they sacrificed the lamb and applied the blood to their doorposts, that God passed, allowed the angels to pass over. That their firstborn would not die. In like manner, Jesus became that lamb, shed his blood, and when we apply that blood to our lives through repentance, baptism in Jesus' name, the infilling of the Holy Ghost, when that happens, when death is upon us, when that judgment day comes, if that blood is applied, we keep it applied through repentance. Death will pass over us. And we will find victory. And we will find eternal life with Jesus in heaven with him. Reigning for all eternity. That is the message of the cross. That is the message of Easter of Resurrection Sunday. That's what this is all about. That's what this life is all about. Easter's one day to celebrate it, but every day we gotta celebrate it. Because without it, we'd be lost. That's why it's the greatest story ever told. Because it's the only story where we find salvation. It's the only story in all reality that really matters. Without all others, with that story alone, we can find hope. We can find salvation. And today, as we go through the rest of this week, and we go into Easter Sunday, let us remember what Jesus did. Let us remember the hope that we can find in him. Because Jesus is the reason for everything. The cross, what happened that day, and what happened when he rose again, that's something that forever changed the course of our lives. So I hope you're encouraged today. Find hope in the greatest story ever told today I haven't ended a podcast like this today 
I haven't ended a podcast like this. But I believe today it's important that we end this podcast in prayer. So wherever you're at, join with me in prayer. Lord Jesus, we thank you today. And as we go through this week, we are reminded of what you did for us. That you thought we were worth dying for. And God, we thank you for that. We thank you for the salvation we find through the blood you shed on Calvary. Lord, we're not worthy of it, but you did it for us anyway. And God, we repent of our sins. We turn from our wicked ways so that, God, your blood can be applied to us. We know that when we sin, we are in fact betraying you. But God, you died for even us, the ones that betray you. And we thank you for that. But not only that, we thank you for taking those keys of death, hell, and the grave. We thank you for the victory of you rising again, being resurrected from the dead, empowered in glory that you did that. Well, we thank you for it. God, we don't want to fail to remember that. We give you praise and glory for that. And God, we want to sacrifice our lives as a living sacrifice because you did it for us in a way that we don't deserve. And God, we just thank you today. We give you the glory and the honor. Jesus, we thank you for you are worthy to be praised. In the name of Jesus Christ, that name that's above every name, we pray this. In Jesus' name, amen. I hope you find victory and hope in this message this week. Because I know this is the greatest story ever told. God bless you, everyone, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. If you enjoyed this episode of the Cast, why don't you consider subscribing on your platform of choice? And while you're at it, share this podcast with a few of your friends and leave us a five-star rating. You can follow the podcast on Instagram and Twitter at TheBlakeCast. You can also follow me on Facebook at Blake Mowry Ministries. If you want a video version of this podcast, you can find that at my YouTube channel. Just search on YouTube, Blake Mowry. It should pop up for you. I hope this podcast encouraged you today. And I'm so thankful that you joined me in this endeavor. God bless you all.